brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. For those of you who clicked over from YouTube this morning to check this out, I appreciate you. Um, for those of you who regularly listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Podbean or wherever, appreciate you as well. This part here, this first letter, is a bonus that will be going attached to the regular scheduled program for today. It is a short letter from Bishop Rob Mutzertz, who is the um, now former auxiliary bishop out of the Netherlands. I say former because right after releasing this, he resigned. And I am not pleased by that in the slightest. We cannot lose any of the better bishops, even if they're far from perfect on most things that traditional Catholics care about. But he has a scathing letter here. That is way too much for YouTube. <laughs> so it's over here only. And it's on Francis's War on Sacred Tradition. Without further ado, Crazy by Bishop Rob Mutzertz. 2021 was an insane year. When the majority abandons normality, abnormality becomes the new normal. For example, feminists were scolded by trans ideologues for believing there should be room for feminist views. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling is one such feminist who books were burned at various universities. Mind you, at universities, centers of free minds. Professor Kathleen Stock, philosophy lecturer at the University of Sussex, was formed to resign. What was her crime? She had dared to defend in her latest book the thesis that there are demonstrable genetic and biological differences between the sexes. And then we had the trans women who went on to swim and run races. Nobody in the sports world as men. Now they win gloriously. When they cross the finish line, by the way, it is remarkably quiet in the stadiums. Everyone realizes that it is not right, but no one dares to say anything. They protest by being conspicuously silent. And oh yes, the real women went home to shower. You don't feel comfortable with a guy like that around. 2021 was also the year of the foolish cancel culture. Even the self-respecting newspaper, the New York Times, goes along with this. The founding date of the United States of America is no longer July 4th, 1776, the date of the Declaration of Independence, Independence Day, but the year 1619 when the first ships arrived on the coast of Virginia with African slaves on board. Meanwhile, Peter Bogosian, a heavyweight in the field of philosophy, announced his retirement from Portland State University. Students are no longer taught to think. They are only taught ideologies. Most of them no longer dare to say what they think. But, can it, but it can always get crazier. Washington's only theater center will treat audiences to a woke version of Beauty and the Beast. The title role of Belle will be played by a black lesbian woman who is considerably overweight. You think you're going to a harmless Disney production and end up in a politically correct horror theater. But the reports from Rome don't cheer me up either. The Vatican had a curious Christmas gift in store for us. The answers of the Congregation for Divine Worship to the questions about the practical interpretation of the motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis, hardened the front between the Vatican and traditionalists. A barely concealed impatience to finally draw a line in the sa sand on the matter of the quote-unquote old mass is evident from the entire style of the text. The highly aggressive text is not only a break from Pope Benedict XVI's intended quote-unquote reform of the reform, but also a pastoral faux pas. The quote-unquote Pope of Mercy shows little mercy for those who embrace the traditional Latin Mass. The loss of confidence was not, not only affects the traditionalists themselves, but also increases the uncertainty of the faithful. If what was recommended yesterday no longer applies today, nothing is certain. What this means for the fraternity of St. Peter, for example, is unclear. The curious consequences of the papal injunction is that communities associated with Rome that celebrate the ancient mask would no longer be allowed to administer the sacrament of confession, but the faithful can still validly receive it from the Society of St. Pius X. 
The same applies to the sacrament of marriage. And why does one have to explicitly endorse the documents of Vatican II in order to be allowed to celebrate the ancient mass in exceptional cases? Surely those who celebrate the Novus Ordo, I am one of them, are not being asked to accept the Council of Trent. Or has everything from before Vatican II been scrapped? If the Vatican requires an examination for celebrants of the old mass, then in fairness, it should also be required for freelance celebrants of the new mass who are all doing their own thing. In short, that promises something for the coming year. My motto is just stay Catholic. We go by the natural law, by the order of creation, and by common sense. Happy New Year. Signed, Bishop Mutzerts. And since this, he resigned. Now, that's an incredible letter. <laughs> it's like he was clearly just outlining how insane everything has gotten in the world. And I'm glad to see that a bishop spoke about it, because you'll notice all that stuff he talked about at the beginning should be things that the bishops in America should be talking about, but they don't. <laughs> I'm curious what you thought of this. But anyway, on to today's regularly scheduled program. Hey folks, it's Anthony, and yes, my voice is still on the fritz, like I said yesterday. And if you didn't catch yesterday, well, my voice is on the fritz. <laughs> I got whatever it is that everyone seems to be dealing with right now, and I'll be fine. Prayers are appreciated, though. Anyway, on to today's story. I had been waiting for Bishop Athanasius to chime in on the responses at Dubia. He was the only one of the better bishops that, to my knowledge, hadn't released a formal public statement of some kind yet. And while many of the others had been, frankly, either disappointing or completely out of touch with reality, the auxiliary bishop from Kazakhstan's statement is a bit different. No, it's not a Vigano-esque retort denouncing the Bergoglian hierarchy for their monstrous attacks against tradition. Instead, Bishop Athanasius is using Francis's own words against him in what many are taking at face value to be an appeal to his soft-heartedness, but is instead something more. But I also want to mention that another bishop just issued a blunt letter, but it's way too much for YouTube, so it's on the audio-only side of things today. And if you want to hear it, I have it for you in the pinned comment below. Or you can just check out Spotify or any of the other audio-only platforms that show's found on it'll be combined with this one for those who who uh you know follow my work using the apple podcast and that kind of thing but enough of all that let's dive into the story this has been a busy week for the church as they usually are lately between francis continuing to endorse things that his predecessors had condemned and cleaning house in the roman curia we have been treated to a flurry of activity out of rome Enter into this statement from Bishop Athanasius, and I have it here for you in full, since it is really pretty short. The good bishop here is on the surface, appealing to Francis to rescind Traditionis Custodis and all associated documents. In a more complicated way, he's using Francis's words against him, at least that's my reading of it. For those listening, Bishop Athanasius is saying, neither submit nor resist. He is appealing to Francis directly quoting him and his philosophy of charity and mercy, and in so doing, he's pointing out Francis's stark hypocrisy in all of this. I'll let the bishop speak for himself. If you want to read the full text, I have it linked in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up, since there really is no paywall for my sources. Now, on to the letter of the Auxiliary Bishop from Kazakhstan. Bishop Athanasius calls on Pope Francis to rescind Traditionis Custodis, a.k.a. the duty of the Roman pontiff to restore liturgical peace, a pastoral reflection, again by Bishop Athanasius of Kazakhstan. As we advance along the synodal path leading to the 2023 Synod on Synodality, a wound has been opened in Christ's mystical body, the Church. We are referring, of course, to the spiritual pain and injustice that has been inflicted on a considerable number of good Catholics of all ages, both laity and clergy, through the publication of Pope Francis's Traditionis Custodis on July 16, 2021. 
and the responsa ad dubia of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments on December 4th, 2021. The overwhelming majority of lay faithful and clergy attached to the traditional Roman rite keep far away from ecclesial and liturgical polemics, and they have respect and pray for the Pope and for their bishops. They only ask for the right to be able to continue to live fully both regarding the celebration of the Holy Mass and the celebration of all the other sacraments and rituals, the liturgical patrimony in which they and generations of young Catholics have grown up. Indeed, the Apostolic See, with a generous pastoral gesture, had guaranteed them this right during the pontificates of Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI. This spiritual wound and its painful consequences, both pastorally and personally, for many thousands of Catholics are publicly known. And the Roman Rite's precious and entire ancient liturgical patrimony, which is a common spiritual good of the entire church that must not be lost, is under threat. Bishops, therefore, have the duty to express publicly and frankly their deep concerns, in keeping with the manner being encouraged on the current synodal path. In his address for the opening of the synodal path on October 9th, 2021, Pope Francis said, If we do not become this church of closeness with attitudes of compassion and tender love, we will not be the Lord's church. May Pope Francis realize that he has been ill-advised, and may he demonstrate pastoral courage, humility, and true love for these marginalized sons and daughters of the Church by rescinding the canonical provisions stipulated in the two aforementioned documents. In so doing, he will most certainly be bandaging wounds and healing broken hearts with the balm of God. Within this context, we do well to recall a great saint who went down in Church history as a true peacemaker, St. Irenaeus of Lyons. At a critical moment in the Church's history, when at the end of the 2nd century, the Apostolic See wished to impose a unique expression of the Lex Orandi, regarding the date to celebrate Easter, on a group of clergy and faithful, thus rejecting other litur- legitimate liturgical traditions. St. Irenaeus intervened and respectfully remonstrated with Pope Victor I, reminding him of the pastoral magnanimity and moderation of his predecessors, especially that of Pope Anicetus, who, despite having a liturgical perspective different from St. Polycarp, a disciple of the Apostle John, nevertheless allowed another liturgical tradition to continue undisturbed. Pope Victor I seems to have listened to the fraternal appeal of St. Irenaeus. Pope Francis recently announced the joyful news that he plans to proclaim St. Irenaeus a doctor of the Church, with the significant title Doctor Unitatis. Recalling the example of St. Irenaeus, the peacemaker and future Doctor Unitatis, as well as that of his predecessors, John Paul II and Benedict XVI, Pope Francis should listen to the voice of the many children, young people, fathers and mothers, seminarians and priests attached to the Church's ancient rites and guarantee their established right to worship according to all the liturgical books of the Roman Rite that were in use until the recent liturgical reform. In this way, these marginalized sons and daughters of the Church will feel that they are part of the life of the community without being hindered, rejected, or judged. See homily of Pope Francis at the Holy Mass for the opening of the Synodal Path, October 10th, 2021. Pope Francis has called everyone in the Church to be sensitive to the questions of our sisters and brothers, to let ourselves be enriched by the variety of charisms. See the homily at the Holy Mass for the opening of the Synodal Path. May God grant Pope Francis the grace to truly be a Pope of liturgical peace, promoting whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. See the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Were Pope Francis to act with such charity and pastoral humility, nothing would be lost, and everything would be gained. And the God of peace would be with him and with all the faithful. See the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Signed, Bishop Athanasius, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astania. I'm not sure what to make of that. Bishop Athanasius is my favorite bishop in the church, and if he became supreme pontiff by some act of God, I would dance in the street singing the Te Deum. 
I don't doubt that he has the faith. But, and let's be honest, if I'm wrong about him using his using Francis's own words to paint him as a hypocrite, then I really don't know what to think about this. Francis the Vengeful is not going to be swayed by appeals to kindness and mercy. Mercy is only for those that the Vatican deems worthy of it. And when we're talking about modernist Rome here, then mercy only applies to those that the allies of Francis have in the beast have deemed acceptable and worthy of mercy. That's not those of us who rigidly cling to all the church and, by extension, of course, Christ, taught us in the name of Christ. Divisions certainly exist in the church. There can be no mistake about that. Just go look at some mainline Catholic Facebook groups or whatever and point out things going on and see the pushback you get from even people who are not hyper-modernists. A lot of people think we are meanie doo-doo-headed trads, as Francis has been painting us. But these divisions have been present for decades. This is nothing new. For the longest time, traditional Catholics were on the margins, and we were barely listened to. Phil Lawler goes over this in a recent piece on his website, and he says that over the years, the trads started making more and more sense, especially because of Francis and the thing Francis said. Then he gives us this, which I think is important to, re to remember when appealing to Francis's charitable side, as many are still want to do for some reason. I don't understand it, but these words of Phil Lawler here are actually something to bear in mind. Quote, so we asked these questions, which our traditionalist friends had been asking for years already. The answers drove us still further toward the trads. We could not ignore that. Whatever our past differences, the trads held the same fundamental beliefs that we cherished, the same beliefs that were now everywhere under attack. We could not ignore that traditionalist communities were growing at a time when parishes were shrinking and dioceses were quote-unquote restructuring by closing the doors of vacated churches. Above all, we could not ignore that the traditional Latin Mass was celebrated with reverence and conveyed the rich heritage of our faith. Within the past week, I have spoken with a half dozen other Catholics who, like me, have begun regularly attending the traditional Latin Mass. In every case, their movement towards the TLM began during the current pontificate. We did not move toward traditionalism because the trads attacked the Pope. It would be far more accurate to say that we moved in that direction because the Pope attacked us. If, Vatic if the Vatican is looking for an explanation of the heightened divisions within the Church, and particularly for the latest escalation of the liturgy wars, the search should begin, alas, on Peter's throne. And the divisions will not be healed by the Vatican's undeclared war on traditionalism. End quote. That war has since been declared. Traditionis Custodis was a formal declaration of war on all things identifiably Catholic. We know this through the closing of so-called Reverend Novus Ordo Masses by bishops who cited Traditionis Custodis. I've reported on that a few times. And the accompanying letter, of course, is the reason for doing all that. Liturgical errors of all kinds are the norm now, and we have been told that there is a rupture from the highest places in the Church. By admitting that, Fra that Francis admits that he and his work are entirely illegitimate, and it's helping make us make people realize the Vatican II is the same. Francis is doing our work for us. And what did you think about the letter? And about the point Mr. Lawler makes in his article? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And of course, prayers for me, please, for my voice. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.